Ghost pipe taps its roots into the place where the mycelium meets the rhizome, drawing off nutrients from mushroom and tree alike, and sends up a slender stalk that blossoms into a bell-shaped flower that first faces upward toward the sky whose sunlight it does not need, and then nods down toward the ground that gives it life. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, the statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. One day we were out on the homestead just doing some work you know, cleaning up the leaves and brush and all that stuff. And my son Noah brought over some interesting looking white flowers. Now, I say they were white flowers, but I should be clear and say the blossom, stem, leaves, the entire thing was all white. And he had found it growing like under leaves or something like that. And I remember I had recently watched a YouTube video, but I couldn't remember the name of the plant. Apparently it's called ghost pipe or Indian pipe. So let's get into what it is and what it's used for. The Latin name for ghost pipe is Monotropa uniflora. Ghost pipe is used primarily to help ease pain. It does not numb pain, but rather takes the pain whether physical or emotional, outside of the mind, so that you remain aware of the pain but no longer feel it. Ghost pipe can be helpful for panic attacks that might come from emotional pain and for bad trips that might come from using LSD. Ghost pipe is difficult to find and it's pretty much impossible to grow because it actually parasitizes fungal mycorrhiza and it's never really been cultivated. You should reserve the use of ghost pipe for pain that doesn't respond to anything else. But be warned, consumptions of large doses of ghost pipe can bring deep sleep, and ultra-vivid dreams. Ghost pipe is considered relaxing and cooling, and its properties are antispasmodic, nervine, and sedative. It can be used as a tincture of the fresh above-ground parts. You can start with three drops, and if nothing happens after 10 minutes, you can gradually increase the dose to 30 drops. You should repeat the effective dose every two to four hours as needed. Now I want to share an article from the American Herbalist Guild's website. I believe this article was written by Sean Donahue and it's titled Ghost Pipe, A Little Known Nervine. Delicate and ethereal, ghost pipe, monotropa uniflora, emerges from the forest floor. Around it, trees reach down through the musty layers of decaying leaves into rich, dark soil where their roots intertwine with mycelial networks whose fruiting mushroom bodies spread spores, expanding the web. The fungi pull water and minerals from the soil, 
feeding them into the tree's roots, and the trees pull them up into their bodies which branch out and form leaves that use the sun's energy to make sugars that feed the tree and flow back through the roots into the mycelium, feeding the fungus. Ghost pipe taps its roots into the place where the mycelium meets the rhizome, drawing off nutrients from mushroom and tree alike and sends up a slender stalk that blossoms into a bell-shaped flower that first faces upward toward the sky whose sunlight it does not need, and then nods down toward the ground that gives it life. Tapped into these nodes in the mycorrhizal network, ghost pipe is tapped into two very different systems for processing information, essentially two very different forms of consciousness. Mycelial consciousness is horizontal and diffuse. Information is carried across vast networks of nerve-like filaments. Information moves rapidly and multidirectionally, but the web has no center where information can be concentrated and processed. In contrast, trees concentrate information over time in one place. The rings of their trunks holding the memory of rain and drought and fire. Plants and fungi exchange nutrients across their shared mycorrhizal networks, and in the process, they also exchange information in the form of chemical signals. In siphoning off nutrients from these mycorrhizal networks, ghost pipe is also tapping into the information they carry. The plant needs to have a mechanism for filtering that tremendous input, and therein lies the nature of its medicine. Resembling a spine and a brainstem, ghost pipe is a unique ally in helping humans modulate sensory input. Ghost pipe and physical pain. Harvey Wicks Felter and John Uri Lloyd wrote in King's American Dispensatory that the powdered root of ghost pipe could be used as a substitute for opium without its deleterious influences. While this is true, it doesn't fully capture the way this medicine works with pain. I was first introduced to ghost pipe by Tommy Priester who told me that he used a tincture of the whole plant for people in intense physical pain. He said it didn't make the pain go away, but it put the person beside her pain where she could see it and deal with it without being overwhelmed by it. Along similar lines, David Winston, whose use of ghost pipe is informed by the experiences of the eclectics, his own Cherokee tradition, and his personal clinical experiences, writes, When I started using it 35 years ago, I noticed quickly that it is not your normal analgesic. In fact, I often say that it seemed more like getting nitrous oxide at the dentist than an analgesic, you know that it hurts, but you simply don't care. The term that is used for this is antinociceptive, which means something that reduces sensitivity to painful stimuli. So monotropa is primarily an antinociceptive. It raises the pain threshold. Unlike nitrous oxide, however, I find that ghost pipe often makes people feel more grounded and present in the moment when their overwhelming pain has been dominating the their experience of their bodies and the world. Winston notes that he often combines monotropa with other, more directly anodyne herbs, a strategy I generally employ as well. Though I use a fresh plant tincture made from only the aerial parts of ghost pipe, while Winston uses a fresh plant tincture made from the roots or from the whole plant. In one case, a client came to me with severe nerve pain from Lyme disease. For a while, 
she had been managing her pain successfully with a cannabis tincture she had made for herself, but cannabis alone was no longer keeping the pain at bay. At my suggestion, she began to combine monotropa with cannabis 50-50 and was able to bring her pain to a manageable level. In another case, I helped a veteran of the first Gulf War find relief from migraine-like headaches caused by a traumatic brain injury. Here again we see that spine-brainstem signature. We used a combination of ghost pipe, wood betony, and clematis. The formula was the first thing he had experienced that was able to even touch his pain. In a pinch though, I have used monotropa as a simple for people in extreme pain. Recently, someone I know chopped off the tip of his finger while working in a kitchen on a Sunday night and called in excruciating pain. Ghost pipe was the only relevant herb I had in my cabinet at home and the local herb shops and health food stores were all closed, so I had someone rush out to bring him an ounce of ghost pipe tincture. After taking two one milliliter doses, his pain was at a manageable level. Ghost pipe and emotional pain. Shortly after I began working with ghost pipe, I discovered that physical pain is not the only kind of suffering the plant could help people deal with. The night that I made my first ghost pipe tincture, a group of friends came over for dinner and I told them about the plant. One of them, Samantha, found a lot of ghost pipe growing on the land where she was living a few days later and decided to tincture some herself to have on hand for emergencies. A short while after that, our mutual friend Chuck was staying with Samantha and she came home to find Chuck doubled over and rocking back and forth. When she asked him what was wrong, all he could say was the pain, so she gave him a dropper of ghost pipe tincture and he calmed down and soon explained that he had just received horrendous news and had been paralyzed by the emotional pain. Samantha brought Chuck to see me the next day and he told me that when he took the medicine, it was as though everything he was upset about was taken out and put beside him where he could see it and work with it. I told him that he had described exactly the way ghost pipe works with physical pain and suggested that he keep working with the medicine as long as he needed it. After all, we humans don't have separate mechanisms for dealing with physical and emotional pain. Chuck took ghost pipe tincture at the onset of feelings of panic and overwhelm every day for the next two months or so. Then one morning, he reached for the tincture and saw an image of the plant in his mind and heard the plant telling him that he didn't need to take the tincture anymore. So he put the bottle down and focused on calling up the memory of what happened in his mind and his body when he took the medicine. Sure enough, he was able to shift in relation to the sources of his anxiety, examining them from the outside. Since then, I have given ghost pipe to a number of other clients for acute anxiety and panic attacks marked by emotional or sensory overload. When given to a person who feels overwhelmed by external stimuli, ghost pipe seems to provide a degree of separation from those stimuli. In these cases, it will often combine nicely with the various potently nervine anemone species. But this might be contraindicated, so look out for a forceful pulse and flushed complexion. But when ghost pipe is given to a person who is having difficulty feeling anchored in the present time and place due to intense emotions welling up from within in response to the triggering of implicit memory, it can provide grounding and centering. You can actually combine ghost pipe with Stachys botanica and Acarus calamus, and then you can include an aromatic herb to help disperse the intense emotions that are coming up. Holy basil is good for that purpose. Ghost pipe 
sheep and entheogens. For two years, I helped to run the first aid tent at a series of music festivals on a farm in western Maine. I spent a lot of time caring for people who were having overwhelming experiences after taking LSD or DMT or various and sundry entheogenic mushrooms. In most cases, I would help people calm down with a gentle nervine-like skullcap, usually with great results. But sometimes people just wanted to come down from their trips, and inevitably, there would be a few disruptive people brought to me by security because they were a danger to themselves or were frightening other people. For these cases, I needed an herb that would act more quickly and dramatically. When I first started researching Ghost Pipe, I came across Ryan Drum's account of using the medicine to help sedate a man who was having a psychotic episode that seemed to be either brought on by or exacerbated by an intense drug experience. Based on this account and on my experiences using ghost pipe for acute anxiety, I decided to try giving the medicine to the frightened and agitated psychonauts who wound up in my care. In almost every case, the effects were quick and dramatic. Within a few minutes of giving one to three one milliliter doses of the tincture of the aerial parts, pupil dilation and responses to external stimuli would return to normal and the person would begin to settle down. Within 15 to 30 minutes, the person would fall asleep and wake up hours later calm and coherent. In dozens of instances of treating fear and agitation brought on by entheogenic drugs, I have only seen four cases where ghost pipe did not successfully calm and sedate the person I was caring for, and all four cases fit the same pattern. Young men in their late teens or early 20s who were taking stimulants prescribed for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder took LSD for the first time and became verbally abusive and, in three of the four cases, physically violent. They would scream the same phrases over and over again in a loop, and in every case the words and tones suggested triggered memories of childhood sexual abuse. When I gave them ghost pipe, their pupil dilation changed, but their behavior remained the same. My working hypothesis is that their post-traumatic stress disorder caused them to act in a way that led them to be misdiagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. LSD made them more susceptible to having their repressed memories triggered and the stimulation of Adderall coupled with the sensory overload of the LSD experience pushed them into a fearful and violent state with norepinephrine and adrenaline upregulated to a dramatic degree. Indications from my own practice, overwhelming physical pain combined with anodyne herbs, migraine-like headaches associated with traumatic brain injury, anxiety and panic associated with emotional or sensory overload, triggering of emotional memories that make someone feel beside herself, unpleasantly intense mind-altering experiences, especially with tryptamine-bearing plants, fungi, and drugs. And then from King's American Dispensatory by Harvey Wicks, Felter, and John Uri Lloyd from 1898, they list periodic fevers, childhood seizures, likely referring to febrile seizures, you know, from fevers, epileptic seizures, ophthalmological inflammation, and bladder inflammation. Next, the article briefly mentions harvesting and preparation and then dosage. So for harvesting and preparation, 
Great care and discernment is required in harvesting this plant, which is abundant in some locales and then scarce in others, and it's extremely difficult to propagate. Most modern sources suggest digging and tincturing the root only, but several practitioners tincture the whole plant. I have worked for several years now with a tincture of the aerial parts only, made with the folk method of 100 proof vodka, and I found it to be identical in its actions to preparations made from the whole plant and from the root only. I have also seen new plants grow the following season in places where I harvested only the aerial parts of only a few individuals from each colony, so to me this seems to be the most sustainable approach. The plant needs to be tinctured fresh and the resulting tincture will be purple. The dried stalks make a mildly sedative tea or smoke. For the dosage, Tommy Priester told me to start with three drops of tincture, but to jump up to one milliliter if the person doesn't respond to a three-drop dose. In some cases of severe panic or agitation, I have given several one milliliter drop doses at five-minute intervals before seeing the desired effect. Okay, that was the article. I thought it was super informative. I love all of the personal experiences. I hope you found this informative as well. I'm going to include a link to the original article so if you want to check it out for yourself please do so thank you so very very much for listening to path of a green witch podcast again i want to say a very special thank you to the supporters of path of a green witch podcast nicole mims tori poskel jamie l spencer jason halt ray and of course john shields thank you guys so very very much for supporting my podcast if you'd like to become a supporter of path of a green witch podcast check the description box for a link to the support page. Monthly support helps me tremendously, so I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so very much for listening to Path of a Greenwich Podcast.